0: There have been a dozen days to the year so far, and after today, there are 29.4 dozen 24 hour periods left until we all sing Old Lang Syne once again. Until then, let's not forget any of our acquaintances for now, and let's stock up on cups of kindness. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement for this particular period of time, and I'm Sean Tubbs, here every day to take a right goodwill draft for Old Lang Syne. On today's show, new data shows that inflation is occurring at the highest rate since 1982. Charlottesville City Council holds interviews for interim city manager but does not yet make a decision. Regional planners get a first look at a rezoning at UBA's North Fork Discovery Park, The Charlottesville Democratic Committee selects two new co-chairs, Charlottesville's NDS director gives a preview of the rewrite of the zoning ordinance, and two options are alive for a pedestrian bridge over the Rivanna River. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society invites you to hear from their newest board member at a meeting beginning at 7 p.m. Gail Jessup-White is the first public relations and community engagement officer for Monticello and the first descendant of Thomas Jefferson and the enslaved community to work for the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. Gail Jessup-White will talk about her book, Reclamation, Reclamation. Sally Hemings, Thomas Jefferson, and a descendant search for her family's lasting legacy. That's all at 7 p.m. on Monday, and you can register for the Zoom call or watch on Facebook Live. Sign up now at albemarohistory.org. Charlottesville City Council met in closed session for over three hours yesterday to meet with candidates for interim city manager. The five elected officials met with Robert Bob of the Robert Bob Group as well, but had nothing much to report at the end of the meeting. Here's Mayor Lloyd Snook. We have interviewed some very impressive candidates. We have some further investigation yet to be done. We are not yet prepared to make a decision, but expect to make a decision Probably on Tuesday, January 18th. Councilor's regular meeting will be on that day due to the commemoration of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. In November, the City Council adopted a new comprehensive plan as the second leg of the Seaville Plans Together initiative. The first was adoption of a new affordable housing plan in March. The next step is the rewriting of the city's zoning code. James Freese, the director of Neighborhood Development Services, told the Charlottesville Planning Commission that the public process for the three phases of the zoning rewrite will kick off at the end of this month. What we are looking at is a, is a complete rewrite. This isn't going to be take your existing zoning ordinance and redline it and make changes. This is going to be a complete rewrite. Fries said some portions of the existing code would be copied over into the new version with new formatting and wording. There's some aspects of the existing ordinance we anticipate bringing over wholesale, but it will be a new document. The first phase will be a diagnostic comparing the existing zoning code to the comprehensive plan to eliminate barriers to implementation. A report will come before the Planning Commission and City Council for approval before the drafting process begins. So that first phase will probably take us right up to, say, end of May. Hopefully not, but maybe beginning of June. But I'm anticipating that first phase will take us to the end of May. In the fall, drafts will begin to be shared with the Planning Commission and Council. The adoption process will be the third phase, and the details of that section have yet to be determined. But we're anticipating that adoption process taking us into 2023 and culminating in a vote by Council sometime in the spring of 2023. There will be a community engagement process, but of course, there will also be Charlottesville community engagement. Details to come as they're known through this channel. During the process, there will be at least two new planning commissioners. The terms of commissioners Jody LeHendro and Tania Dowell will expire at the end of August and neither can reapply. Commissioner Kareem Habab is filling out an unexpired term that ends in August, but he can reapply. Commissioners Hosea Mitchell and Rory Stolzenberg's terms expire at the end of August as well, and both can also reapply. Last month, a group of citizens filed a lawsuit against the validity of the comprehensive plan. In Charlottesville Circuit Court, the argument cites four specific failures and asks that council's vote be held null and void. The seven plaintiffs are Charlottesville residents seeking to withhold their identity. They argue the future land use map radically increases density within the city in a way that violates state code. Here's a section from paragraph 15 of the argument. Unlike the comprehensive plans that are contemplated by the General Assembly, the plan at issue is very specific and assigns new zoning designations to each specific parcel in the city. As a result of this approach, the city's actions are already having a direct impact on property owners. The argument singles out one home on 10th Street Northwest that is now listed on the market for $485,000, but has a 2021 assessment of $315,600. According to the real estate listing, there are currently three one-bedroom apartments there, but states, Charlottesville City's new proposed plan shows this property as mixed urban use. The lawsuit also argues the plan does not sufficiently plan for transportation improvements within the city to support additional growth, and that the public notice for the adoption on November 15th of last year was not sufficient. The city has not yet been served with the lawsuit, according to city attorney Lisa Robertson. There's new leadership in the Charlottesville Democratic Committee. At a reorganizational meeting on Monday, about a hundred participants selected Jason McLaren and Deshaud Cooper to serve as the new co-chairs of the committee. McLaren is a resident of the Martha Jefferson neighborhood and Deshaud Cooper is a student at Piedmont Virginia Community College who worked on the campaigns of Brian Pinkston and Juan Diego Wade. The vice chair is Nancy Damon, a Frye Spring resident and former member of the Charlottesville Planning Commission. The secretary will continue to be Mary Ann Harris. Jason Vandiver is the party's treasurer. Vandiver was elected as the city's treasurer in a special election in 2013 and has held the position ever since. The Republican Party of Charlottesville has not filed a city council candidate since 2015 when Anson Parker was their candidate. The chair of the party in Charlottesville is Dan Moy and the treasurer is Buddy Weber. Weber ran for council in 2013, along with former planning commissioner Mike Ferruccio. Now it's time for a second subscriber-supported shout-out, this one fueled by Patreon. Algorithms know how to put songs and artists together based on genre or beats per minute but only people can make connections that engage your mind and warm your heart. The music on WTJU 91.1 FM is chosen by dozens and dozens of volunteer hosts, music lovers like you who live right here in the Charlottesville area. Listener donations keep WTJU alive and thriving. In this era of algorithm-driven everything, go against the grain. Support Freeform Community Radio on WTJU. Consider a donation at WTJU.net slash donate. A couple more local things before we get to new General Assembly bills. An official group of planning officials from around the Charlottesville area got a preview last month on a major rezoning of land at the University of Virginia Foundation's North Fork Research Park. The Land Use, Environmental, and Planning Committee was created in 2019 when elected officials agreed to cease meeting in public as a body known as the Planning and Coordination Council. One of its members is Hosea Mitchell of the Charlottesville Planning Commission and he provided an update at their meeting last night. They are actually asking for a rezoning and the rezoning is to allow for residential and to be included in the industrial developments that joined there. The presentation at the December meeting was made by Fred Missel, the UVA Foundation's Director of Design and Development. Missel has since been named to serve on the Albemarle Planning Commission as a voting member, after spending several years on the Albemarle Architectural Review Board. The LUPEC meetings are not open to the public, but Missel presented the rezoning details in detail. The Foundation seeks a rezoning for portions of the North Fork Park to the Neighborhood Model District. The Code of Development calls for a multi-block approach with a minimum of 200 residential units and a maximum of 1,400 units. The University of Virginia has announced this location as one of three sites where the Foundation will partner with a developer to build affordable units. At North Fork, buildings would be up to six stories. Albemarle County's first round of comments back to the foundation are due at the end of this month, according to the presentation. A community meeting will also need to be held for the rezoning prior to its appearance before the Planning Commission. Now back to the Land Use Environmental and Planning Committee. This year, the City of Charlottesville takes on administrative responsibility for the group, and according to Mitchell, Utilities Director Lauren Hildebrand will be the chair this year. The University of Virginia Master Planning Council meets next week. Those meetings are not open to the public, but there are representatives from Albemarle and Charlottesville. Plans are being made to build a pedestrian and bicycle bridge over the Rivanna River, and the Charlottesville Planning Commission got an update last night. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission is leading the efforts, and a stakeholders group has been meeting to review options. One of its members is Charlottesville Planning Commissioner Kareem Habab. The two options that we're looking at are a connection near Riverview Park on Chesapeake and the other would be the wool factory. One would span between city and county. The other would be basically just on county um, land. The Woolen Mills is located on a small peninsula of Albemarle County that is landlocked within Charlottesville. The stakeholder group will take a tour of the two sites on Friday. The cost of goods in the United States has increased 7% over the last 12 months, according to data released this morning by the US Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's the largest yearly increase since 1982. The consumer price index rose half a percentage point in December. Here's something from the press release. Increases in the indexes for shelter and for used cars and trucks were the largest contributors to the seasonally adjusted all items increase. The energy index declined in December, ending a long series of increases. Overall, energy prices increased 29.3% from December 20 to December 2021. By the time you hear or see this, the Virginia General Assembly will have convened for the 2022 session. Republicans now have 52 seats in the House of Delegates, and the Speaker is now Todd Gilbert, a Republican from the 15th District. Democrat Eileen Filler-Korn will be the minority leader with 48 seats. Yesterday, Democrats retained the 89th district in Norfolk when Democrat Jackie Hope Glass defeated the Republican candidate with 75% of the vote. For the past couple of weeks, I've been writing up some of the interesting bills, and now we'll see how many make their way through the legislative process. General Assembly sessions move fast, and this is a very incomplete list of what has been filed. But here's some more of that legislation to give you a sense of this aspect of our democracy. Delegate M. Keith Hodges, a Republican from the 98th district, has a bill that would assign chief executive powers to the mayor of the town of Urbana in Middlesex County. Hodges has another bill that would create the position of special advisor to the governor for health workforce development. Another bill from Hodges would add more chemicals to Virginia's list of schedule one drugs, including 4 chloro methylamino also known as 4-chlorobufidrone. Delegate Chris Runyon has filed legislation that would allow electric cooperatives to petition the State Corporation Commission for permission to raise rates to recover the cost of providing broadband. Delegate Michael Webert, the Republican from the 18th District, has a bill that would allow school boards to use an alternative system to measure the progress of elementary and middle school students in reading and mathematics, specifically the NWEA MAP Growth System. Webert also filed legislation that would require localities that do not provide in-person instruction to pay parents who remove their children from school a prorated share of the applicable standards of quality per pupil state funds appropriated for public school purposes. Another bill from Webert would prohibit localities from removing property from land use taxation programs if there is a hardship related to an emergency declaration made by a governor. Webert also has legislation that would lower the threshold for streamlined permitting processes for solar facilities from 150 megawatts to 20 megawatts. Delegate Keith Hodges has filed a bill that would allow certain pharmacies to sell cannabis products at the retail level without a prescription to people over the age of 21. Delegate Karen Greenhall has submitted a bill to require physicians and nurses to follow certain procedures related to getting a woman's informed written consent when that woman seeks an abortion. Senator Mark Peake has filed a bill directing the Virginia Department of Health to develop a plan to mitigate algae blooms. He's a Republican from the 22nd District. Peake has another bill that would allow nurses to pronounce a person dead. Peake also would end the state's further minimum wage increase, capping it at $11 an hour. Babysitters, home health aides, and personal care aides would no longer be considered domestic workers under another bill from Peake. A bill from Senator Montgomery Mason would allow people with advanced degrees in public health to serve as health directors, something that is currently reserved for people with medical degrees. Senator Joe Morrissey wants Petersburg to be added to the list of cities that can hold a local referendum to allow for opening of a casino. Senator Chap Peterson has a bill to require the Virginia Department of Health to expedite the process to issue certificates of need for certain medical facilities, such as increased psychiatric beds. Senator Chap Peterson, a Democrat from the 34th District, has a bill to require the Virginia Department of Health to expedite the process to issue certificates of need for certain medical facilities, such as increased psychiatric beds. And finally today, Senator Jeremy McPike, a Democrat from the 29th District, would require all candidates for office to file electronically with the Virginia Department of Elections. So far, there is a 100% success rate for all 864 pending bills. Scratch that. Over a thousand bills. Visit the Legislative Information System to see how sharply that number will drop in the coming weeks. And that is it for this edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement for January 12th, 2022. Thank you very much for listening and for putting up with uh, all of it, really. There is a lot of information, and uh, every single time I do one of these, I learn something new and I certainly hope that you do as well. That is the whole purpose of this distribution of information and the gathering of it. It is, of course, being done under the company Town Crier Productions, which is a company I formed in order to Kind of make sure I can do this as often as I can. Seven days a week, I am doing as much as I can to bring you information. uh, And uh, if you would like to support that, one way to do that is to go ahead and look at infoseville.com. There is a support section on there, and what you will find is information about how Patreon helps keep this thing going, as well as Substack subscriptions. And of course, as you know, the company Ting will match your initial payment. And thank you to The hundreds of people who have done this so far. It is a lot of effort to put this out there, and I am glad to be able to be uh, doing this for you. And if you want to, you can help me go. I am Sean Tubbs, and I'll be back hopefully tomorrow with another installment of the program. In the meantime, please stay safe out there. I did not bring you the pandemic numbers, but we do have another record day of hospitalizations in Virginia, and there's about 19,000 new cases. So please stay safe, pay attention, because uh, things are going to change pretty soon in terms of how the state government deals with this. Thanks for listening, and have a good rest of this time.